Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's take this outside with Marianne Iveson, the podcast where she speaks to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about why they connect with nature. Corinna Coffin is a registered sports dietitian, nutrition coach, and hybrid athlete on a mission to help others realize their true potential and lead healthier lives through nutrition and fitness. Corinna's affinity for sport and competition has remained steadfast over the last eight years and counting. During this time, she has podiumed at over 40 races, including the Spartan Race World Championships and Obstacle Course Racing World Championships. She's competed at the CrossFit Games, won the Tough Mudder X Championships and Spartan Stadium Series, and took second at the 2020 and 2021 Spartan Games. More recently, Corinna has been pursuing a new fitness venture called the Tactical Games, which is a combination of shooting and fitness. Corinna owns her own remote coaching practice, RD Athlete Nutrition LLC, and currently resides in Louisiana with her husband, Taylor. Please welcome Corinna Coffin. Corinna Coffin, welcome to Let's Take This Outside. Thanks, Marianne. I'm excited to be here with you. And it's it's funny because we were chatting even before we hit record about how many ties we have. And the funny thing is, is that like, once I saw your social media, I was like, oh, this girl is so freaking cool. So I have to talk to her. But our ties are a couple things. Your parents are friends with a friend of mine, and that's how this came together. But then I found out that you're very good friends with former guest of the podcast, Lindsay Webster. Like, you guys are legit friends. Like, you went to her wedding. Yeah, I went to I went to Lindsay and Ryan's wedding way back. Gosh, was that 2015? It might have been 2015 or 2016. But it's so funny. We go way back. She's an amazing human being, she and Ryan, and an incredible athlete, as you know. But it was funny because we so we started out at a very similar time frame in the sport of obstacle course racing. So this was probably 2014, 2015. And so actually my first Spartan World Championship race was in Killington, Vermont in um, September of 2014. And Lindsay, that was her very first world championship event, but she hadn't been like training for it. It was something that her husband Ryan was doing. And she's like, you know what? I'm in pretty good shape. Never really done a bunch of obstacles, but I'll do this event. And she came in. So I came in second in that event. That was my best finish in a, in a world championship race for Spartan. And she came in brand new, like fresh off the tracks with, um, I think she was in fourth, fourth. Yeah, she just missed the podium, which is incredible. And then um, Ryan and I and two other Canadians joined this obstacle course racing company called Battle Frog, and we were the first members of their pro team. And Lindsay would always just come to the events or come to a lot of the events with Ryan because he was coming all the way down to the U.S. for those. And she would just smoke everyone in all those events. It was like, if Lindsay was going to be there, like first place wasn't really a viable option most of the time. So it was like fighting for second or third. And then she eventually got on the pro team too. And so we raced a ton, ton of races together, traveled the country and she's just been, and she's still been crushing it like eight years later. We are here to talk about you, but I want to tell you a very quick story about how I, so I met Lindsay by accident. 
I read. Did you hear <laughs> the story? Well, through the episode, because I, I listened to the one with Lindsay and she's running up a mountain and you're like, hey, I know you. Yeah. Like I fangirled over her. It was super weird. I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. But she was so gracious and nice. But very, yeah, very quick, like fangirl about her because I remember when I talked to her on the podcast and she's like, I'm going to try this sky racing series. And she's like, she's so nice. And she's like, I'm just going to try it and see how I do. Didn't she like win the sky racing series? Yeah. And that's how she and Ryan are. And I think it's just a testament to their training and just their athletic abilities is, you know, being able to be so good and able-bodied in so many different um, disciplines and and distances too, which is remarkable. But yeah, with Lindsay and like to go from skiing and mountain biking and running and, you know, cross country, like all these things, it's, it's so cool how she ties it all in. And so, yeah, those, those are some really cool people to, to know and to follow along in their constant pursuit of, fitness and you know athleticism should we call this episode the lindsey webster love love fest (laughs) (laughs) yes we'll have to uh we'll we'll have to put that somewhere in the in the description so i actually caught you at a downtime right now you are an incredible athlete um but i kept i caught you a bit of a downtime because you just tore your acl right so you're in recovery mode what what's what part of the process are you are you in yeah so i tore my acl like very end of july this past year because my husband and i were doing our wedding like a year later from our courthouse wedding you know i had a wedding we were moving across the country down south um, for my husband's work and the doctor told me you know i think now with with um torn acls they really like you to get a lot of that range of motion back and some of that strength back before surgery. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go through all that and wait to get surgery. So two months ago, I had surgery early October. So I'm only two months post-op. And surprisingly enough, I'm 29 and I haven't had any major injuries up to this point. So that was my really, my first real injury where I'm, you know, it's taking me out of competition, out of kind of some of the, the training that I've known so for so long and love to do, but it's given me so much perspective that I never had before and a certain relatability to so many other individuals and athletes that, you know, I never had being this <laughs> uninjured person. So, so it's, I've, I've, I'm really grateful for this experience as tough as it's been. There's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of things that I, am now seeing, you know, the, the beauty in and a, and a deeper appreciation for what my body can do and what it has done for me for so long. And honestly, this recovery process, as funny as it may seem, is kind of like getting back to sport, getting back to competition is like the start line that I'm gearing up for. And it might take, you know, it might take another six months. It might take longer than that. Um, I'm in it for the long haul. But to me, that is what I'm training for right now. So like, that's my big race is getting back to that comp that, that start line whenever and whatever that may be for. That's so cool. But you have other things going on too. I know that you're an athlete, but you're also a dietitian too, right? You also have other things going on. Yes. My day job is a registered dietitian. I'm a sports dietitian. I, I run my own business, um, helping others, not necessarily only athletes, but just anyone who's kind of a performance, uh, performance focused helping them achieve their goals um, through nutrition. And, you know, with my, with my athletic background, I think it helps me help others reach their goals and kind of take a stance toward nutrition more from a, a fueling standpoint, as opposed to like this obstacle that is constantly trying to drag us down or like 
you know, there's, there's just so many unhealthy relationships with food out there and, and people and with people's bodies. And so trying to give others a newfound perspective around food as, you know, this tool and resource and source of nourishment to become more able-bodied um, and achieve the goals that, you know, maybe you never thought you were capable of and, and seeing it as, you know, so much more than just something we need multiple times a day. So I, I love, I love, love, love my job. And I love meeting people at all these different events and competitions that I do and, and helping them discover their potential. I didn't even know we would go down this path, but I'm happy we did. And I know you can't sum up all your knowledge in one sentence or one paragraph, but if there's anything that you can share with people who are either even just people who are like weekend warriors to people who want to be more serious athletes, is there anything that you could sum up very quickly about nutrition? Is it maybe eat more than you think or like what, like what, what could you, what could you say? Yeah. And, and that is probably what I see in a lot of the individuals I work with is, is people usually aren't eating enough. And I think that goes to show like a lot of people don't realize the the power of food and the ability of food if we're if we're choosing, you know, the right types of foods. And it's not to say, you know, especially with athletes, and I don't want to get too wordy here, but you know, especially with individuals who are after performance, there's no such foods as like good and bad foods. It's just learning which foods are going to help you in certain scenarios. You know, when you're sick and injured, there's going to be certain foods that fight inflammation and help you help your body build kind of a fortress to help your body defend against, um, you know, defend against sickness and, and uh, help fortify from the inside out. And then, you know, when you're training and, and you're running for long distances or working really hard for long periods of time, you know, there's certain foods that are going to help you keep going longer. So I think it's really comes down to understanding our food and getting a variety of food, but also knowing how it can help us in so many ways and so many different manners. So I know that was a little, that wasn't quite one sentence, but. No, I love it. Thank you. You've been a lifelong athlete, but what did the early days look like for you? Like, And what sport specifically did you connect with the outdoors? I love that question because when I think about the early days, like I plant myself right on our 100 acre horse farm in in central Virginia, um, which was the absolute best place to grow up. I have three older brothers. So my my <laughs> earliest memory of the activity was just trying to tag along with them on the farm. We were my dad and I am so grateful for the way he and my mom raised us. But you know, it was very much, you must be outside. Like, no, we don't watch TV. My husband still gives me a hard time. He's like, you've never seen this movie. You've never. And I'm like, no, we we didn't watch. We didn't watch much TV growing up. Um, But it was funny. My dad would, my dad worked as a saddle maker on our property. And so he's like a hundred yards away from our house um, in his workshop. And so when my mom would be gone, it would just be my, my brothers and I, and we would just explore the outdoors and build forts in the woods and get all dirty and muddy and, you know, would just be outside unless we were eating a meal. But then when it shaped up into actual sports, soccer was, even though my, my dad, you know, as an equestrian, you know, that was, that, that is his life and, you know, his building, making saddles is, is, um, you know, his profession. We all kind of, we dabbled in a little bit of equestrian, um, you know, riding, for a couple of years here and there, but soccer was like our life. And my mom to kind of condense the amount of practices she 
had to take all four of us too. She would just sign me up for the boys team. So I would show up for practice and look around and I'd be the only girl. And it just didn't phase me because I, you know, having brothers and their friends always around. So I think that really kind of set the stage for looking back, like, you know, for some of the things that were to come athletically with being in a lot of male dominated sports, such as, you know, obstacle course racing. And now, you know, being in the kind of the, the tactile games scene, it's just a little bit grittier, a little bit grungier. I've never lost that, that zeal for getting dirty and playing outside and um, kind of roughing it a little bit. But yeah, soccer was the, was that starting point for me and my brothers. I do want to talk about the tactical games and Spartan and and OCR, but at what point did you kind of merge, like what drew you to Spartan racing and obstacle course racing? Because those races are hard and they're dirty. Yes, they are. And so, gosh, so in high school, um, my brothers and I, and and along with my stepmom, we we joined this outdoor workout program called SEAL Team Physical Training. And it was offered in Charlottesville by, you know, it was founded by a former Navy SEAL, John McGuire. And we would wake up at 5 a.m. every morning before school. And my brothers and I and my stepmom would do this boot camp training. And it would be at different outdoor parks um, all across Charlottesville, Virginia. And then we'd go to our sports practices after school. And I definitely had a couple conversations with my coaches where they were like, you know, we know that you're doing these workouts in addition to these sports <laughs> practices. Like, we're concerned, <laughs> you know, and at the time, I, I guess, you know, that was abnormal. But, um, you know, now fitness has taken off in so many ways. But that was my first real introduction to like fitness by itself without being part of like training for a specific you know, like an actual sports practice. Um, so, so we did that in high school. And then in college, I, I played lacrosse all through high school. That be kind of became my new sport and focus along with cross country when I got a little bit older. Um, in college, I played club lacrosse. And then after my sophomore year, I switched over into triathlon because I just was loving moving my body. And I wanted to continue challenging myself in other ways that weren't just running um, and lacrosse. So I I had never swam before really uh, other than like doggy paddling and jumping in when, you know, after a long tanning session outside. But, um, but yeah, I, I, so I, you know, all the practices were optional because it was club and I just went to every single one of them. And I was in the pool at 6am with my team. I remember the first practice, they were like, you know, 500 meter warm up swim. And I'm like, come again. Like I've never, never even swam 25 meters straight. So that was a, a really big, um, <laughs> that was like overcoming something like a huge fear of mine, but then also like, um, having a, I just signed up for my first triathlon like six weeks later. And I was like, I'm going to between now and six weeks, like I'm going to learn how to swim and I'm going to be, I'm going to just jump in this open water triathlon and figure out, figure it out. Um, so triathlon was like kind of that big start to the training that got me, um, competitive into, um, the sport of obstacle course racing because I was doing, I was doing triathlon and incorporating some strength training in at the time, kind of just my first intro to CrossFit and the combination of endurance and strength kind of is this perfect recipe for, um, for the sport of obstacle course racing, where you're running up and down mountains. You have to put a lot of miles on your legs 
but then you have to get over obstacles and most of those are upper body focused. So the strength piece is important as well. You have an impressive list of accomplishments, including being on the podium over 40 times at Spartan Race World Championships and Obstacle Course Racing World Championships on top of lots of wins, it sounds like. <laughs> like, it just so, like, I'm just so... Probably more second places than wins, but, you know, <laughs> there's always work to be done. Still close enough. You're still on the podium. But it's it's so incredibly impressive. But at what point did you realize, like, oh, I'm actually, like, pretty good at this? And how much do you think is just natural, natural skill and how much of it is hard work. Cause I can tell that you put the work in. Well, thank you. So my first obstacle course race ever was a Spartan race. And I was just doing it with the group, with my workout group from SEAL team physical training. And we were all doing it. And at the start line, you know, it was at, it was in wintergreen. So it's on like a lot of Spartan races, at least in 2014 were at different ski resorts. So you knew you were going to be going up and down a lot of steep hills. Um, so we took off with the group and like the first hill came and everyone started walking. And I just like looking around, I was like, well, like my fitness was pretty good at the time running wise. So I was like, we're not, we're not all doing this thing together like the whole time. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, we're, we're starting together, but we're not actually like, we're not staying together as a whole big group this entire time. Um, so I just took off and I, I decided, you know, I'm going to run this thing and I'm going to run it as hard as I can. And I finished and I, you know, you can go over to the fin- the results tent and see where you placed. And I just remember seeing like I had placed first out of several thousand people and someone <laughs> leaned over my shoulder and was like, you know, there's a competitive heat. <laughs> like there, you can actually compete in these. No kidding. So I waited for the entire next summer. I was like, okay, well, next time Spartan comes to, I didn't know these were like a thing. And I didn't know if it was all like all times of the year, all around the country. So the next summer when they, when it came back to wintergreen, I was determined to race that. Now in the next summer, like a cut, like two weeks before wintergreen, one of my friends called me up the night before and um, she was like, Hey, I've got this race for tomorrow. It's a battle. It's called, you know, it's a battle frog obstacle course race. And she's like, I can't do it. Cause I sprained my ankle. Like, would you want to do it? And this is like nine o'clock at night and the race is the next morning. And I, you know, it's a several, it's a couple hours away. And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Sure. Like it's the summer before my senior year of college. I wasn't doing anything that weekend. Um, so I drive out and I didn't tell anyone I was doing this race. Just told my mom, like, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be gone light, later, or I'll be back later, and didn't know a single soul. Like, didn't really know what to even wear, what equipment I needed, or whatnot. But it was this super muddy in the jungle kind of like obstacle course race, and it was an absolute blast. And I just realized, like, I had a knack for it. I was, I loved, I loved the grittiness of it. I loved being, um, you know, I loved the muddiness. I loved the unknown of like literally is jumping off the start line and not knowing what was what I was about to face not knowing how long the race was going to be um and so I ended up ended up winning that event and met a lot of the other um top athletes for on the guys and girls side and they were like there's a Spartan race in DC next weekend and then there's one after that so I just in the in a matter of 8 weeks I did 5 um obstacle course racing events and had some pretty good success at all of them and um and that was the build up to the Spartan World Championship that year. So that kind of got me on this like okay, wow, this is a thing. You can race these and, and get 
you know, prize money for it, which is pretty cool. There's like sponsorships. Um, and, and then I had my eyes set on the world championships just a couple months later. So, uh, it was kind of this fun whirlwind of, I think I was in the right place, the right time. Um, but I attribute a lot of, I mean, there's, there's a sense of, you know, with obstacles, like you, you have to be a little bit daring, right. You have to be able to, you know, you can't be super cautious with them. I think this, the, having an ability to embrace the unknown is something that you either, I feel like kind of have or not. It's really hard. Like there's some people where they want to know exactly what's coming and how to prepare and train for them. And then there's some people where it's like, like myself, or I love the mystery of it. I think it's, it levels the playing field of like, well, we're all going into this unknown together and we have to trust our skills and we have to trust that our bodies are capable to achieve or overcome, you know, whatever's thrown at us. And maybe so, literally, yeah. maybe literally. Yeah. Thrown at <laughs> maybe. Yes. So, so yeah, I, I think part of it is maybe you have to have the desire to like do something like that. And most, some people like, like to stay in their comfort zone in, in that regard. But, you know, now there's a lot more standardization and obstacles. You can, tr- you know, there's ways to train for certain obstacles that yeah, you might not have access to on a regular basis, but, um, you know, but you can train in similar ways to build the confidence and the skill set to get through them. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Let's Take This Outside merch is now available, like toques, sweaters, and t-shirts. Head to letstakethisoutside.ca and hit the store button to wrap your favorite podcast. Thank you so much for supporting. I've done a Spartan before. I, I didn't love it. <laughs> it means, but I could, probably because probably it was super, super hard. But I would love, I would love to know because you are incredibly athletic in, in almost every way. But what parts of it do you thrive in? Is it um, clearly the running? Is it like the the climbing aspect? And what parts do you maybe always kind of flinch and say, I like the throwing, for example? Like what parts is like room for imp- improvement? And what parts are you like, yes, I'm always nailing running uphill? Like do that split for me. So Spartan kind of does some head, like they, they usually have some sort of heavy carry in their, in their events. And so that used to be like buckets, you just like pick up a bucket and you'd have to fill it with rocks or sand up to a certain line. And then you carry it up up the side of a mountain like that. So that would be an area that because I've always had a little bit more muscle mass and, and strength starting like from those days in college where I, um, I was more strength or getting into more strength training. 
um, which further developed down like the CrossFit road. But um, I always loved when things were heavy. So I loved when there was a heavy sandbag carry. I loved when there was a heavy bucket carry. Um, and going up hills, yes, because you know most people weren't running them. So I've never really been a, a super speedy person, but my endurance is good. Um, and muscular, muscular strength and endurance was good. So I felt like those hilly courses, the heavy carries really catered to me. The things that I'm still to this day am not as good at is just like flat, fast running. And it is crazy. Like the, the women in, and men, but I, you know, I focus a lot on the women in the sport. Um, you know, their downhill running ability is, which I'm sure you saw Lindsay, you know, when she was running down the hills and it was just insane. Like a goat. You're just like, like, a goat. You're like, how do you, how do you do that? Um, so that's, <laughs> those are not my strengths, but I, I did kind of grab on, you know, I'm someone who, you know, fitness and racing or co- competing has never been for, you know, the money aspect or prizes and whatnot. It's been, it's just what is captivating like my attention and my joy at that period of time. So for a while, like when obstacle course racing was new and exciting to me and I wasn't burnt out from doing it for, you know, several years and just maxing out my race calendar, which looking back was silly, but I also like had the desire for that at the time. Um, I absolutely loved it, but then I got a little bit tired from it and held on to the strength piece where I was like, wow, I feel like I could really develop my strength even more because I'm already a, a pretty strong individual. And so I just turned my focus to something new. It's like, you know, I'm not going to completely hang up my obstacle course racing hat, but um, I'm going to try, you know, I, I'd love to see what else I could grow in. And that turned out to be, you know, CrossFit. So I did that for a little bit. And then, um, then I got tired of being indoors. <laughs> so I missed the outdoors. I was living in Salt Lake City, Utah at the time. And it was just so beautiful. And I felt like, you know, the amount of focus and dedication in the gym that was needed to pursue CrossFit was just, um, you know, that worked for a period of time. And I was all about it. And then I realized, like, wake up, you're in this beautiful mountain area. And I had been missing the outdoors, I'd been calling and Um, you can't replace that, I think, with anything else. I want to talk about the tactical games in a second, but the Spartan and OCR community, and you talked about this a little bit, especially on the female side, seems really close-knit and supportive. And I love seeing women supporting other women. Is this true, first of all, from your perspective? And can you describe what it looks like from the inside? Yes. Yeah. It's it's one of the most wonderful communities. And I've, I've found that actually, I feel like I gravitate toward communities that, that, that is very much a, a, a common trait. Um, but definitely in obstacle course racing, you know, especially towards the top of the sport, you know, you know, everyone, it becomes like a little bit of a family and it's so interesting and uncommon, but beautiful that there's the athletes and I will say on the women's side, because I can't speak to the men's side, but I have a feeling it's not quite as generous. But, you know, you have women who are helping, you know, helping with strategy of getting through, um, getting through obstacles. So several events that I've been a part of where you can practice obstacles in advance. I've never been in a competitive environment where literally one moment or like the day before or a couple hours before you can be giving like everyone can be giving advice on how to get through something and strategize and work together 
only to be competing against side by side or against each other, you know, moments later. Um, and I just think that's a really cool piece of, of the community because it really just shows that everyone's trying to elevate the, the level of play, the level of competition. Like if you want to be competing against someone, it's not, you, you want to be competing against their best. Um, not because they just don't know, you know, they don't have the technique or they're not familiar with cer- a certain something. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's really, it's really been a fun thing to be a part of. And it makes me a better person too, because then it's like, instead of me, you know, thinking, okay, well, all I want to do is, is win. And so I'm going to keep my strategies to myself. Like you're not sharing everything, but it also makes you be like, you know, for the longevity of the sport and the growth of the sport, like let's get more women out doing these things and challenging themselves and trusting and, you know, trusting in their abilities and building up that confidence that is so integral to obstacle course racing and and being able to throw yourself at things at the unknown and things that are scary and intimidating. Um, so the, the women in this sport are definitely doing a wonderful job of, of paving the way for more to come. You're pursuing something because uh, Spartan and OCR wasn't, you know, enough for you. Um, you're pursuing something called <laughs> the Tactical Games. And it reminds me a bit of like biathlon, which combines shooting and fitness. Yes. But this look, okay, you sent me pictures because I have to post, you know, I have to post when we release this episode. And you're like carrying a gun. <laughs> and I'm like, she looks so badass right now. Tell me about this hardcore looking sport. <laughs> yes. Well, so it's funny because um, the photo I sent you was from my first tactical games event. And one of the events was, well, so let me back up. So the tactical games is something I just stepped into this year in 2022. It is a combination of firearms and fitness. So there, there is shooting and there's fitness and it is so, so I mean, so on one hand, you've got the fitness where, you know, I'm well-versed in that. I'm used to pushing myself, you know, to the limits. But then you've got something like shooting, which takes finesse and like, uh, and it's a very high skill because, you know, you're, you're shooting for precision and accuracy. You're not shooting for, you know, to hit the broadside of a barn. Like you're actually trying to hit a very small target from fairly far away. So you combine these two where, you know, you're, you are going all out, breathing heavy, your body's exhausted, your posture is probably um, compromised from whatever you've been doing. And now you have to be still and you have to find your breath. You have to slow, you have to recover and slow yourself to do something that's completely opposite of what you were just doing. Um, and so it's just something about that combination that is like that kind of challenge is, is kind of fascinating to me. And I've decided to make it like my, my new focus, but truth be told, I was completely scared and terrified. I was completely terrified of firearms like this time last year, maybe a little bit earlier this year, but you know, I've never really, I've never really owned guns. I've never had never really shot a bunch and it didn't really interest me. My husband always laughs because uh, like a year ago, you know, we'd be going on a camping trip for this and be like, okay, well, let's just review. Here's, you know, we'd have my pistol on me and here's, you know, how to hold it and all this stuff. And I would just be like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Get it away from me. Like, I don't, I don't 
that seems like a lot of responsibility and a very dangerous <laughs> thing. And I don't want it near me, um, which I think a lot of people have that viewpoint too. And it's totally understandable. But I think taking something that I was completely terrified of and didn't know anything about to then becoming more well-versed in how to use it, how to use it responsibly. And so just learning more about something that I didn't know much about and certainly didn't know how to use and certainly didn't know how to shoot and, and kind of stepping into that light a little bit has been a really enjoyable process. And quite frankly, like starting something that I comp- like sucking at something and then, and working through the process. It's like, it's like my injury, right? It's, it's, you, you go from being unable to do something and then clawing and scratching your way through to build onto something and, and become capable um, is exactly kind of what I'm, what I'm enjoying about, you know, the shooting side of things is going from something where I just don't know anything about to learning about it and actually becoming fairly competent. Um, and so I've just really enjoyed the, this past year. I, I tore my ACL actually at one of those events at the tactical games <laughs> events, but I was doing an off course of um, like, cause it's, it's kind of this fun combination of obstacle course racing, CrossFit, strongman and shooting. So it's like, there's all these elements that you don't really know what the event's going to be. Some of the events may be more endurance focused. Some of them may be more strength based. Some of them are like, um, you know, a, a very dynamic and, and kind of more obstacle heavy, but yeah, this just so happened to be a down and back quick obstacle course that had no shooting in it. And I just launched off a wall kind of how I normally do in a, in a race. And I was wearing a, a weight vest, which I didn't take into account. And the landing was just a lot harder than, um, than I had anticipated. So wrong, wrong alignment and, uh, and with a little too much weight to, for my knee to handle. I was just going to say, it sounds like you're um, handling the recovery as best you possibly can. And it sounds like you have the mi- the right mindset for it too. Yeah, I've been, it's, it was a, like the first week post-op was a very tough one for me. My husband gave me a, a nice reminder of, you know, your, how you approach your recovery is totally up to you. It's completely in your hands and you can be upset and kind of pity yourself and say, why me? Or wish I'd change this and that. Or you can get after, you know, your recovery and and control what you can control and use it as a teaching moment, not only for yourself, but a way to help others. And because I'm always helping others from a nutrition standpoint, I think this is one more facet to, you know, that I can lend perspective to for others. And there's a lot of parallels that I've found between like the nutrition coaching that I'm giving and this recovery process for myself. So like, you know, trusting the process, you're not going to see results in in a day's time, maybe not even a week, but you have to trust that you are moving in the right direction. Um, and, you know, there's definitely some beauty in that. I want to uh, wrap up this awesome, fun interview with chatting about nature and how the, the role it plays into your wellness and the sports of your choice. Like how important is it to you that, you know, when you're doing, whether you're racing an obstacle obstacle course race or you're doing the tactical gate like how important is being outside and playing outside and getting muddy and getting dirty like how how much of that is important to you it's so important and it just brings me back to really my my childhood and and the days where all we did was play outside and you know that sunshine even even where i live now which is 
there's not a t- like there's no mountains around me. There's I'm limited with what I can do um, with my knee, but just stepping outside and getting feeling the sun on my face and taking a walk around, you know, the lake that's near us, like it is so grounding. And I think it does so much for not only our, our mental health, but just finding clarity, finding peace of mind. And I think at the very least, when you're pushing your body to its limits and you can just look up for a second and just see the beauty around you and really, it really takes you out of, you know, the things that you're worrying about or, you know, the, the race or the competition itself. And just, you know, it gives you that gratitude that we often lack in our busy, chaotic, noisy day-to-day lives. And I think that that's, it's so important for all of us to, to hold on to and have those moments, hopefully more moments than, uh, I think we, we often fall short of, of finding those moments on a daily basis. But, um, for me, that's, that's something I look forward to getting back to as soon as I can get up mountains and <laughs> and be a bit more able-bodied. The only time I could beat you up a mountain in my life would probably be now while you're healing from a <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, um, I, I have to create, I have to create a little bit of, of hills for me out here. Cause we're down, we're down in the South and don't have quite, quite that ability, but I'll be training. I think you're, I think you don't give yourself enough credit. Probably if you're, Going up the same mountains as Lindsay Webster, you probably got a pretty good hill. I'm walking up the mountains that she is sprinting (laughs) up. I just want to point that out. Corinna, this has been super fun. Thank you for sharing your story and your inspiration. And once you're back on that starting line, I can't wait to see where your career goes. Thanks, Marianne. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more Let's Take This Outside, go to letstakethisoutside.ca. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.